0: Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press football show, rounding up the best local action every Monday. And we've had the first action in the FNB Pre-League, Guernsey's top flight, kicking off at the weekend. Joining me to look back on it uh, are Rob Batiste, Hello. And Gareth Bravo. Hi, Tony. Welcome, chaps. Good to see you. A uh, pretty entertaining first weekend of Pre-League action. Rob, let's start with the Champion Saints, because we went up and watched them take on Rovers. Pretty fiery start to that game, but they came through pretty comfortably 3-0 in the end.
1: They were very convincing and quite impressive, to be honest. It's always difficult to gauge how good a side are um, when the opposition are so off colour, which Rovers were. They were pretty poor, to be honest. I thought they made, probably made a couple of selection errors, positional errors, um, and Saints embarrassed them quite uh, seriously in the first uh, first half, first half hour, first half, I suppose. They could have been 4-5, nil out of, and out of sight. Um, they, as it happens, they've got three. They, Saints will tell you all day long that, um, that they should have had a penalty. Uh, when Danny Hale went through and Adam Bullock came out, quite clearly caught him. But from where I was sitting, I thought it was a pretty good decision because... To my eyes, Danny was already on the way down when the arm came out um, to stop him. So it was one. Of, I think it was a very good refereeing. It was a difficult game for Brent Blondell to keep um, on top of, particularly the first half hour. There was a lot of tackles flying around. Rovers were very, very pumped up, and Saints were quite um, certain that they weren't going to get um, outdone in that respect. Chris. Lenouri Sarge was back at the, uh, the back of the defence for St Martins alongside, very impressive, Ben Solway again, and, and the captain really did lead from the front, he was, he was really flying around and putting in some strong challenges. Fair enough, um, and I thought Brent Blondor refereed the game very well. Um, other referees might have got a few more cards out but no I thought he did good job in difficult circumstances
0: yeah absolutely we spoke in the preview about uh, you know how keenly they'd feel the absence of um, Ben Coulter this season and, and the, you know perhaps the need for Louis Hunter to step up into the fold and he managed to pop up with a goal and, and sort of you know, answered I wouldn't say the criticism from you but the comments you made in the, uh, yeah, in the preview I... <laughs> that's quite a funny moment it
1: was um, took me by surprise and um, but listen. No, he did what I basically said last week. He should do is get forward and utilise his his best um, attributes, which are shooting, getting into scoring positions. Got a lot of um, energy, strong. I don't like him in a deep line midfield player, in deep line midfield position, and he wasn't in that position here. He was playing further forward and had a very good game. Louis has got great potential. He's already a good player. But he could do a lot in the game if he, um, you know, if he nails down and listens to um, what I think is probably valid comment about his performances. I think he's got a lot of potential. Didn't bother me about at all, to be honest. What he did, um, we were all young once. And I did some very, very silly things, <laughs> <in a> football, <laughs> very silly things on a football pitch when I was um, youthful. Um, no, no problem at all. Oh, it's quite no.
0: entertaining. Yeah, if you if you weren't there uh, when he popped off his goal, he sort of ran, you know, waved away the other players and ran towards you, Rob, with his you know cupping his ears and, and telling you to shush. It was a good bit of theatre. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've never. I'm sure it's probably never been done in local football before. But there we are. It's first for everything.
0: Oh, at least someone's listening to the podcast. Eh? Um, let's. We'll come back onto Rovers, perhaps in a bit, because uh, maybe a few concerns for them after that performance in terms of you know a title bid. Um, Gareth, you were down at Bells on Saturday afternoon. Um, I, I came to film the first half before going to the Corbett Field to, to get the second half of the Sylvans-Vale rec game. Managed to miss all the goals. I know. Talk was, us through uh, it. Well, yeah, it was um, a
2: <laughs> goalless first half. It was, it was quite competitive first half. Um, I thought Manza had sort of uh, lion's share of the ball, really. But uh, Bells certainly created some decent chances. And young Seb Shepard in goal for Manza made a couple of very good saves, certainly from Mark McGrath. Sort of twice in the space of a minute, he made um, decent saves from him. Um, but yeah, so first half where you were there, Tony, it rained and you got wet, <laughs> scurrying off of the drive of the dressing room at one point, point. Um, and then sort of after half time by the hour mark it was too all. There was sort of just goals galore. All of a sudden, raining in. Um, uh, mark McGraw got um, got the first one from close range on the follow up after Steve Ranoff's diving header had been saved by um, Seb Shepherd, and then Manza sort of equalised pretty much well, within five minutes or so. It wasn't quite as immediate as their second equaliser because, um, yeah, well, Charlton Govan gave Bells the, the lead once more. Manzo was still complaining about not getting a decision in the build-up to that goal, which I'm, I'm not surprised that they were moaning, but there was sort of like the possibility of a pullback. But, I mean, I think Tony Saar the referee, just saw it as a, a stronger challenge by Charlton on, on the defender. Um, Manza were still complaining uh, um, to a degree about that decision when um, Marlon Jardim went and equalised again and so <laughs> they didn't need to worry too much about that and yeah either side could have gone on to win it really to be honest there was some um, sort of chance at both ends I did think Bells might have lost their chance when um, Charlton Govine went off sort of with a it looked like a minor injury he, he sort of hobbled off a bit with about quarter an hour to go um, but, no, Bells, um, they got a penalty with um, six minutes left. Um, Mark Rioy uh, brought down um, Robbie Williams, it was, who'd come on for Charlton. And, yeah, uh, Crusher took that one top bin, gave Seb Shepard no chance. And then Manza pushing for a late equaliser, got caught on the break, just one long clearance. And, um, yeah, Robbie Williams, still as quick as he's ever been, really. And he fired home, he, I mean... He almost took the net off. It hit so well. So, yeah, um, they ended up 4-2 winners. It was perhaps slightly flattering the two-goal margin. But um, I think uh, Stuart
0: on their their new coach, will be very happy to start off with a win. Yeah, really good start for them. Were you impressed with what you saw in terms of yeah, their potential this season?
1: Um, yes. Um, they didn't have Dave Merris, did they? He was serving at his suspension. He
0: was, yeah, he was um,
2: watching from the, from the ruthless stand, <laughs> trying to get some shelter somewhere. Um, they had, uh, Brent on actually playing in more of a, sort of a holding midfield role. Uh, not at the back as he, I saw him a lot last season. He was um, partnering Damien Lentoc at the back. Um, and they had, um, Joey Buges and Dave Royo, sort of like their more advanced central midfielders. Um, Obviously, when Dave gets on the ball, they look more threatening. He didn't see a lot of the ball in the first half. He, he did become more involved in the second half. Um, and their fr- front three were pretty fluid, to be honest. Um, um, Mark McGrath was often out on the right. Charlton was sometimes in the mid, in the central role. Steve Reniff was floating around. So they, they've got um, potential there. Um, yeah, they... They did all right, but um, I, I think Manza would be relatively pleased with how they played for a lot of the game. The two Mahon brothers were very good. Um, Tom Dodds was, as usually, as usual, sort of very efficient at the back as well. Um, and Marlon Jardim, when when he sort of came alive, he always looked a threat. So, um, yeah, obviously it all depends on whether Manza can keep that side together, which will depend a lot on the GFC situation.
1: And will they continue? Um, because... Um, I must say I was very annoyed when I read it yesterday that um, Manza gave a walkover to their first um, Lancaster 1 game yesterday afternoon, which is not very clever, on the same weekend. It's quite clear from what I've been told um, from GFLM that they haven't got enough players to sustain two sides and they will have to put up with the fact that the fixtures list suggests, shows that they have to have, they will have two games on the same weekend. If they can't deal with that, They shouldn't have started. Um, It's a a little bit um, worrying, the situation, I must say.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to be resolved there, isn't there? And I guess a big week for them. It does look good. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll learn more, I think, this week about the GFC situation uh, and obviously the implications that will have for them. Um, couple Of other games to look at, um, we were down. Well, I was down for the second half at the Corbett Field for Sylvans against Velrec. A, a win for Sylvans, Rob. You were there for the whole thing. What did yeah,
1: you make of it? It was a really enjoyable game. Um, first of all, say run well on Velrec for producing a superb surface to play on. It really looked a picture. I've never seen the wreck, the wreck ground looking quite so good, it, although it was good when it the FA Cup final back in June, but no, it really. F- Nice surface to play football on. Not too long, not too not too short. And um, Valrek were, I think, a bit unlucky to not get some get a draw from that game. Um, they played um, a a big part in in, in a very enjoyable um, afternoons football. Um, good football all around. Nice passing movements from both sides. who were trying to play play the right way. Um, I think Rec were probably a little bit too slow in their build-up um, and Sylvans quite cleverly, um, particularly in the first half, were happy to sit back a little bit and hit them fast on the break, utilising their spearhead with Ewan Melrose in the top position with Tiago Rodriguez and, um, and um, Thomas Apsion alongside him. I Thomas scored two goals um, and had a good game. Busy little player, Thomas, and if he stays fit, I think he'll be a handful. I thought Sylvan um, weren't so impressive second half. They made a lot of changes. They took off Harvey Liu, who is a real good base to work from in midfield. He's tough. Tough footballer, absolutely flattened Damian Larkin in the second half. It was a wonderful challenge, although really old style challenge. I think a lot of the old boys of the past would sort have of thought, well, rubbing their hands saying, Yeah, go on, you know. It was just he's a strong lad, he's a strong lad. And when he when he went off, they missed him. I, I think Valrec, if they can turn out to sides like that, will have a decent season and spring a few surprises. They don't score enough goals to win games, unfortunately.
0: The other team um, tipped to be in contention at the top uh, this season. North uh, opened the, uh, the, the Premier league campaign on Friday night uh, with a, a thumping win over Rangers 5-1 in the end. We were there for the first half. We had to dash off for a, a work engagement. Um, but yeah, Rangers actually put up a bit of a fight.
1: Yeah, they were quite a more mature team than last season. wasn't too many youngsters around. But they, they worked really, really hard and... Um, you Know they were a goal down at half time, and I think that was probably fair enough. North had quite a few chances, as they always are going to, going to. but they've got a couple of dangerous forwards, um, Rangers in Stefan Timms, who's really quite electric, um, and he'll bother a lot of defences as he did last season, um, and um, young, um. Foss, Brad Foss, who was playing alongside him, had a good game. I prefer to see him play um, wide on the right, running forward, utilising his, his his speed uh, and delivery, but um, no, he had a good game. Um, I was pleased to see that Rangers weren't fodder for North, um, no, but North, they made North work hard for their win, and of course, if they hadn't had Sam Murray up front, they would have had to work a lot harder. Four goals for Sam... It's almost par of the course, really, with him. He's a fine player.
0: Took the goals that we saw in that first half very well. Um, yeah, he's a he's a force to be reckoned with, isn't he? Uh, yeah, interesting starts of the season. Then, what, what what have we learned? Have you uh, can you make any sort of projections off the what basis of one game? What we've learned is that
1: Saints probably were a little bit stung by people saying, "Oh, they didn't do so well in the Martinay and in the Rawlinson," and I can imagine. Leon Meekin was probably winding them up in the dressing room before and reminding people of, reminding his players of that sort of, not criticism, but those sort of remarks. And they were really impressive. Very, very committed side and strong on Saturday. Danny Hale was terrific up front in the first half. Um, and um, Rovers, by the time they woke up, up in the last half hour and pushed on, the, the game was lost, of course. Um, they did by him, force a few really good saves out of Jason Martin, who was um, really sort of responded well, I think, in terms of um, matching Nick Batty's performance earlier, because Nick Batty's was quite superb for Solvans in the afternoon, and one big reason why they got all three points. And Jason Martin, after a quiet opening, where he didn't have a lot to do, was brilliant in the second half and made some terrific saves. We've got some really good goalkeepers at the moment, you know, particularly those two. I, I like them. Impressive. And I wouldn't like to have to say, wouldn't like to be Marathi manager and say, who should have the gloves if we ever play jersey again?
0: I thought Seb Shepard looked quite sharp. I know he shipped four goals for Mans in the end. Um, yeah, Mark Romer was talking him up ahead of the season. And uh, from what I saw in that first half, he, um, he looked a good shot stopper.
2: Yeah, well, he certainly couldn't sort of do anything with the four goals. I mean, the, the first one, it was just a follow-up on a good save he made from Steve Renough couldn't stop the penalty and the other two were sort of right in the corner anyway but yeah he did make some very good saves and um, he he does look um, he looked quite sharp he's willing to have the ball as well at his feet so uh, he he could um, be quite influential for them this season depending on how things go with Manza
0: yeah good stuff um We'll have a quick look ahead to what's coming up in a minute. But first, I mean, it's quite fitting, really, that having spoken about him almost every episode of the, uh, the football show at the tail end of last season, uh, with, with news kind of coming up almost every day about Alex Scott, sort of development and, a, you know, an appearance for the first team, a contract, England, everything, um, that this weekend he should be given a, a, a contract extension, a four-year deal he signed now. Um, yeah, pretty significant.
1: Very much so. Um, And he was getting a lot of praise again for his performance um, on Friday evening against Swansea, a match they lost, of course. Um, He's going a lot better than the team, it would seem.
0: Well, let's hear a little bit more about Alex and his progress now from someone on the ground at Bristol City, someone who's had a, you know, built a bit of a connection with Tony Vance at GFC over the last few years, Brian Tinion, who's the player pathway manager there. Um, obviously, uh, you know, someone who's played a big role in, in taking Alex over there and, and uh, has I'm sure enjoyed seeing his progress. Uh, I caught up with him just before. Obviously, everyone here in Guernsey has been uh, absolutely overjoyed to see the, the progress that Alex has made. And um, and then, yeah, to, to you know, obviously to see him then over the weekend on his 18th birthday, get, get a, a new four-year contract or a contract extension. Um, just, just give us your kind of your take on 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 his progress and how just how swift it's been, I guess.
3: Yeah, he's been since we signed him, and he, he obviously came over for a trial. Tony Vance had um, give me the heads up on uh, on Alex on how well he was doing playing for Guernsey, so we watched him. He come over and had a trial. He scored a hat trick in the trial game, a header a left foot and a right foot so he got himself on a uh, on a good start so he's come in and he's he's his work right and his desire to work and listen and learn has been unbelievable it's been hit by um by obviously covid along the way where he's had little spells where he had um, to stay away and last pre-season wasn't it was like in groups of five so he didn't really get a proper pre-season so it's it just all adds up to an uh, unbelievable 12 16 months and it's credit to him you know, he's, he played well in the under-18s when he came. We got him in the 23s, playing pretty early. Went up and trained with the first team and uh, and really never came
0: back, to be honest.
3: So that's the, it's all down to his hard work, desire. And obviously, he's a talented boy to go with the right attitude.
0: It seems like he's the real poster boy for Bristol City at the moment. Um, he's on every single social media post, every single post about him. You know, the reaction from, from the fans is... Um, yeah, it's so buoyant, and there's uh, there's definitely a lot of excitement around him. Um, how how exciting is that for you to see? Is, is it a proud a proud moment to see him come through?
3: Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, as we say, we uh, we pride ourselves on developing young players here. You know, first thought is to can we get them playing for Bristol City Football Club, and if if they don't make it here, we want them to have careers in the professional game. Um, I was lucky enough to be at the Wales England game last year when. Alex came on in the England game and was very, very good. So he's, he's made great strides, and everybody here is, is so proud of him. You know, Gary Pro that's in constant uh, contact with his mum, who's obviously absolutely over the moon, and I constantly speak with his dad. So, yeah, we know the family are really proud of him and the progress he's made. And as I say, he deserves everything he gets because he's a, he's a down-to-earth, smashing lad who wants to work on the training if we asked him tomorrow and said you're playing in the 18s tomorrow he'd just get on with and play exactly the same he's just that sort of lad
0: and obviously um yeah the four-year deal how, how significant is that sort of just put it into perspective for us how significant is it for you know for an 18 year old to sign a, a four-year contract um at the club
3: yeah massive myself and um richard gould the ceo met up with his agent about two three weeks ago and to be honest it's been pretty straightforward the yeah, Alex wants to be here. His family are really, really happy with his progress. And the agent was really happy as well because we've, up to yesterday, we had a 17 year old who'd started every championship game this season. So now he's 18. I think they trust us with what we're doing with him. They think this is the best place for Alex to continue his development. So, yeah, the contract when Richard and um, the agent spoke again after our meeting, it was pretty straightforward to get done. So. Everybody's happy, I think that's the key.
0: What are the sort of qualities, um, you know, about him as a footballer that have allowed him to well, seemingly slide so effortlessly into to first team football?
3: Well, he's, he can go off both feet, he can go left and right foot, he can head it, he can tackle, um, his delivery at set pieces is very good, so just his, his overall quality is very, very good in every aspect, and he's still learning, and he's still getting better, so we're really excited about the future. He's um. He's had a really positive start of the season, as I say, to start every championship game at 17 so far was was excellent. So yeah, but he he wants to learn every day on the training pitch. You see him training, and and the important part, an important part as well, is that the first team have taken to him and know he's got the quality to play with them and at that standard. So he's been taken in very well, and a lot of the senior players have looked after him uh, fantastically well as well. So he's got every every attribute you'd want from a professional footballer and he's only going to get better which is a great point from us.
0: Oh that's wonderful to hear and you know I'm I'm sure he's been very well trained on the sort of media side of things and uh, doesn't look at the comments but when when you see that the fans talking about him as a sort of Guernsey Grealish, I think he's been compared to Kaka, Xavi you know the the excitement is clearly there Is, is that something that you're gonna you know that he'll have to be sort of careful about not getting sort of overexcited himself? I don't think he's that
3: sort of lad. As I said before, if he was playing in the 23s today, if you, if you asked him to play for any team at the football club, he'd go and play the same way. I don't think there's any edge to Alex whatsoever. Very down-to-earth, doesn't say a lot, just gets on with it and does his, his football do, does the talking, to be honest. So I've absolutely no, no issues with, with him as a person going forward because he'll handle it, he'll handle Every situation that comes to him, you know, he came back from the England camp, and no airs and graces, no one bit of change. He just wants to get better and play football. He's one of them boys, so
0: absolutely no issues. No, oh, brilliant. And you mentioned England there. Do you expect him to be given more chances at, at, at you know age group international level? Yeah, one hundred percent.
3: I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be involved in more England camps and more England squads. Um, he showed in the in the first camp he went how good a player he is in last second half when he came on he didn't look out of place one little bit with a lot of boys from a lot of the top clubs in the country playing so he, he didn't look out of place at all so I'd be highly highly surprised if he wasn't in more England camps and squads in the future.
0: Yeah, and clearly he's settled into life, you know, over in Bristol so well. Um, it, as you say, it, you know, it seems like a great place for him to be um, at this point in his career. Um, do, do you expect, though? Do you think? Do you think other clubs will be looking at him quite closely? Yeah, he's, he's settled in fantastically, and um, uh, uh, credit to the horse family who um, who took him on when
3: when he first came over, and he stayed with the horse family, who I know now his mum and dad are very very close to him and get on really well together and meet up when they come over. So. It helped that he, he had such a good horse family to start with, and and yeah, there'll be um, there'll be lots of people watching Alex at the moment because he's one of the I think one of the top young talents in the country.
0: I mean, it was great to see uh, the other day, you know, in that in that starting lineup, Cameron Pring alongside Alex Scott. Obviously, two players who've played for Guernsey FC. Um, yeah, that must have been a, a you know a nice moment, obviously for everyone involved in, in in Guernsey, but for you as well, having sort of facilitated you know those moves a, a couple of years ago.
3: Yeah, for sure. We've we've had to camp since he was 17, 18. He was in a, a a college scheme in Cheltenham, and I um, took him from there, and he's he's progressed fantastically well. He's had, I think, he has a bit of a joke, but he's had seven or eight loans with Guernsey being the first one to get him that that men's experience of football, and he's really thriving at the minute. He looks powerfully, looks strong. I he, he always remembers that first loan at Guernsey, it's a really, really positive step in his career. So. To get them both starting at the same time was uh, was great for us and, and great for Guernsey and shows what a what a good place it is for uh, for young players to go and develop and learn.
0: Yeah, awesome. And we don't know quite what's going to happen with Guernsey FC this season. Whether um, whether the pandemic will you know you know sort of force another interruption to, to their season. Do you see other players following in or Cameron's footsteps and and making that loan move to Guernsey?
3: Well, we have. I have conversations with Tony Vance a lot. He's a he's a good friend of mine now, Tony. Over the years, and uh, I would certainly trust him with our young players. So, if that's something that we can look at, and if Guernsey get their season going, then I wouldn't have a problem whatsoever. Tony comes over and visits our training uh, centre, and and comes over and watches our training, and and has a real interest in what's happening here. So, our link with, there with Tony is very very strong. So, yeah, if there's someone who suits and he's ready for that sort of level at the first loan, then we'd certainly look at it.
0: Brian Tinian from Bristol City speaking to me there. Um, yeah, great to catch up with him. And uh, yeah, long may Alex's uh, progress continue. I don't, it? Yeah, it's sort of a, a very rapid rise. So uh, yeah, great to see and best of luck to him for the rest of the season. Uh, a few games just to look ahead to this week. Um, we'll start the Jeremy Cup, isn't it? On, uh, uh, on Tuesday night, So Martins taking on Rangers. Uh, then it's Bells against North. Uh, and Valek against Sylvans in the Jeremy at the weekend. Just one Premier League game. Rangers hosting Rovers on Saturday afternoon. Have, have we found the Jeremy Cup yet?
1: No, it is still missing. Um, I c- caught up with um, GFA chief exec at the weekend um, on Friday, Gary Roberts, and he tells me that they're still waiting to hear from the Jersey Police at the the latest position of the case. Might make a film. Yeah, day. it's a real <laughs> mystery, isn't it? What happened to the Jeremy Cup?
0: And for the time being, um, the expectation is that jersey teams won't be involved in the Jeremy?
1: Um, it's um, fluctuating. It's really they're leaving it as long as they can to see how the situation goes. And um, and if they can, they will. But they're not in a rush to um, get those sort of fixtures out of the way. They were just very keen to get the four, I think it's four Guernsey, all Guernsey matches played um, and then take it from there if there's hope of um, Inter-Ireland competition then, then we'll make a draw and you know pair those four Guernsey teams with four Jersey sides um, but there won't be Sir Paul's, of course
0: <laughs> um, right brilliant we'll leave it there I think guys um, thanks very much as ever you can read more football coverage throughout the week in the uh, Guernsey press and uh, follow us on social media as well at GSY Press Sport on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram um, yeah we'll catch you next time cheers cheers <laughs>